0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, Head of Investment Consulting at John Hancock Investment Management. As always, the goal of this podcast is to help investment professionals deliver better outcomes for their clients and their practice. Today is November 4th, 2020, and I'm joined by Emily Rowland and Matt Miskin, our Co-Chief Investment Strategists at John Hancock Investment Management. As you may know, Emily and Matt are the architects behind our very popular Quarterly Capital Markets Outlook piece titled Market Intelligence. So it is Wednesday morning, election day plus one. Let's start with Emily. Did you get any sleep last night? Yeah,
1: well, it certainly was quite a busy night. I actually did go to bed at a reasonable hour. As soon as I know that we weren't going to know the results, especially in some of the key battleground states in the Midwest, I decided that a strategist needs her beauty rest, and I decided to get back after it early this morning.
0: Pretty sound strategy. I like that. Matt, how about you?
2: Given 2016 was still uh, ingrained in my my mind, uh, I did not sleep much at all. And uh, I think I got a couple hours in, uh, but tried to start early here with Emily looking at the markets into the open. Yep.
0: N- knowing you two as uh, exactly how <laughs> I expected to play out for you, is that you'd be keeping one eye on the... Uh, on the the phone or the, the news screen. So, all right, well, let's get into it. So what happened last night? Maybe I will start with Emily. Where do we stand on the presidential race and the Senate race?
1: Yeah, it's still very fluid here. You know, we're looking at votes continuing to be counted, particularly again in those key swing states. You know, one thing we do know here with certainty is that, you know, similar to 2016, the polls were way off again and the race is much tighter than expected. Um, a little different from 2016, the, the equity markets were, were much more contained overnight. Um, so, you know, we saw futures markets mostly positive overnight and certainly into the open this morning. Uh, I think really the real news here is that the much, you know, hyped or anticipated blue wave has failed to materialize. So a Biden win with it with a all-Democratic Congress. Uh, again, nothing certain yet that the voting's not all counted. We could actually see, uh, unfortunately, a contested part of the election uh, play out here. Uh, we may see you know, lawsuits start to pop up by either party as we continue to pursue these vote counts here. Uh, but it looks like right now the Democrats are, are very much likely to keep the House and the Republicans are likely to here to keep the Senate. Um, this would, of course, result in a, in a divided government scenario, uh, really similar to what we've had. Uh, in place before the election. You know, we've all been a bit skeptical of the polls here. Uh, One thing that Matt and I have been watching closely is actually the market. And in fact, the market has been a a better predictor of the presidential election than the polls. And the stat goes that uh, the S&P 500, if it ends the three-month period leading up to the election positive, uh, the incumbent party wins re-election. And that's been true every time since 1984, and 87% of the time back to 1928. So it was really down to the wire. In fact, a couple of days ago, it was just almost completely even uh, going back uh, three months, the market did end up uh, Tuesday in positive territory. Again, this suggested to us that, um, you know, Republicans would win. Again, we don't know, it might not be the best indicator this uh, time around, but something uh, that we've been using to suggest that perhaps uh, the race was again tighter than many of the pollsters had, had been predicting.
0: Right. That, may, that, that certainly does seem relevant right now. Um, Matt, Emily talked about the markets last night. We're a couple of d- hours into the trading day. What are they doing today to react to
2: what's going on? Yeah, so out of the gates, few markets are higher in terms of stock market and even the bond market. Um, in terms of the U.S. markets here, we're seeing a bit of a rotation uh, back into higher quality uh, type sectors. Healthcare is one of the best performers. Out of the gate, think about less regulation, pricing in amidst a, a divided Congress. So if the Senate is remaining Republican as, as Emily pointed out, in in the House goes Democrat, it's going to be hard to pass legislation there. So healthcare stocks doing well, tech, communication services also up in the morning. We're looking at less uh, risk of higher taxes on the corporate front, um, given that the Senate likely stays Republican. Um, So I think the market's pricing in that a bit. And then on the downside, we are seeing uh, some of the cyclical sectors. Um, think energy materials, uh, likely lower on less of a prospect of a substantial fiscal bill uh, being passed. So that stimulus catalyst continues to uh, fade here. And and we believe that the markets are going gravitating a bit more to those companies that can power through with strong earnings. And then quickly on the the bond market, the 10-year treasury yield Really whipsawed last night, so we went to as high as 92 basis points on the 10-year. Uh, you know, last night as the voting just started to be counted. This morning we're looking at 77 basis points, so that's a pretty large uh, drop in in Treasury yields. Again, likely pricing in less prospects of a fiscal uh, stimulus bill. And, you know, to us, the intermediate part of the curve continues to look attractive here. Investment-grade corporate bonds are rallying right out of the gate. That's a good spot in our view to be. Um, so it's a balance of that quality side on the equity front, and then looking at good investment-grade corporates on the fixed-income side leading the markets the day after the election. Okay. Okay. So Emily,
0: when we talk about what's going on in the markets for the last couple of months, the possibility and the size of a stimulus package has really had uh, a lot to do with what's, what's happening. What are your thoughts going forward on the possibility of a stimulus, stimulus package?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think Matt just, just really nailed that in the discussion around cross-asset performance leading up to this and how it's been impacted by investors pricing in this really large fiscal stimulus bill that uh, we would have potentially gotten under a Democratic sweep. So with yields backing up, with cyclicals uh, reflecting this reflation trade uh, that investors were expecting upon more fiscal stimulus, that's reversed a bit. Um, and, you know, if you think about Republicans uh, being likely to, to keep the Senate here, um, you know, a substantial stimulus bill uh, is less likely here. Um, we could see something like maybe 500000000000 billion. We've seen estimates up to maybe even $1.2 trillion, but this is different than the 2 to $3 trillion stimulus bill uh, that had been expected under the Democratic sweep. I think one thing that is maybe a bit undercovered here is that there, there, even though the stimulus bill will be smaller likely, there's actually a, more of a chance of it happening sooner uh, if Trump wins his second term. Um, so something could be done uh, in between now and uh, the inauguration in January, if, if Trump actually uh, does stay in office, again, likely to be uh, uh, a smaller package. Um, but I do think that, you know, if you look across the geopolitical strategists that we work with, um, most are expecting that we do get something uh, in 2021 uh, regardless, uh, but again, a much a much smaller size. You know, I think the, the final kind of point on that is, the CARES Act was massive, uh, $2.6 trillion that we got back in March, and that's still being put to work today, uh, which is one of the reasons that, that the economy has improved as much as it has. So fiscal stimulus still in action now, uh, and again, likely to get more, which should be supportive of equity markets.
0: So, so Emily, play out a hypothetical for me. Let's say that Congress does end up being split. How would things be different uh, under Trump versus Biden, uh, Biden, if that were the case?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that we can start by kind of thinking about uh, Biden under a divided Congress first. And by the way, that's sort of where the betting odds are right now, but anything could change here. Um, The first thing to note is that would actually be very rare. Um, Getting a new president with a Senate from another party has actually only happened twice uh, since World War II. So normally the, the presidential race sort of dictates what happens down the ballot. Um, And that may not happen this time. And and again, it goes back to uh, thinking about this blue wave scenario that many forecasters had predicted that that would have resulted in things like higher taxes. I think certainly investors have been focused on that. Uh, Biden had proposed raising the corporate tax rate back up uh, to 28% and imposing more taxes on individuals as well. Um, He also had an agenda that was Filled with ideas around changes to the Affordable Care Act, maybe even something like a, a potential public option, things like massive spending on infrastructure, green energy, things to combat climate change. Um, a good chunk of that agenda will, will probably be dead on arrival now uh, if we do, if, this, if uh, um, the Senate does remain under uh, Republican hands. Uh, there are things a, a Biden president could do with a divided Congress uh, under executive action. So things like uh, pursue more regulation, lighten up on tariffs, uh, which I think is possible, particularly as it relates to Europe, maybe not necessarily China. We think he's likely to keep a hard line on China. Uh, but the, the big issues I think that investors were primarily concerned about will, will maybe go away here. It quickly moving to a Trump presidency with a divided Congress. Again, it's more of the same. Uh, That's where we've been uh, over the last couple of years. Um, And similarly, he would be limited to pursuing um, you know agenda items that can be done via executive action. So maybe continuing with protectionist measures, um, deregulation, etc. You know, there was a proposal under Trump to see some further tax relief that probably won't happen. Uh, but again, more of the same. And, and, you know, frankly, investors tend to like gridlock. There are fewer unknowns, and that may well be uh, the scenario that we're in for heading forward.
0: Thanks, Emily. So, so, Matt, back to you just to kind of close this out and bring it back to the markets. With this uncertainty, um, how should investors be thinking about the rest of this year and heading into 2021? And have any of your views in market intelligence changed?
2: Well we believe that you know the core principles of a balanced portfolio still actually um, are if anything are are more warranted today and and will will shine through uh, into the close of this year so you know the fact that the treasury yields are are finding a bit of a ceiling around ninety basis points suggests bonds won't see some you know too much negative price action um, you know I think the equity market has been choppy here you know not knowing If this gets contested, we wouldn't be surprised if you did see some volatility. But, you know, in 2000, when there was 36 days where we didn't even know who won the election, the market was only down uh, 5%. Um, So really not, you know, anything substantial there. I think you got to find the the right businesses that have the fundamental support to get you uh, well positioned in 2021. We do think that results in a quality bias and a U.S. over non-U.S. bias. Uh, We do want to look at mid-caps and industrials as well as the economic engine uh, continues to improve here, uh, regardless of of the political noise that's out there. Um, And then, you know, again, for fixed income, you know, I think that there's been a lot of negative sentiment around it. But at the end of the day, it's still delivering. We're looking at 2 to 3% income potential using investment-grade corporates, a little bit of high yield, some mortgage-backed securities, but that part of the portfolio is still delivering. And uh, we would look opportunistically at equities amidst volatility to set up for 2021. And hopefully that's a better year all around.
0: <laughs> Amen to that. Well, listen, it's a historic time in our lives and a fluid and volatile time in our lives. And we're going to need to keep people up to date with what's going on. So, folks, if you don't follow them, follow Emily and Matt on Twitter, Emily at Emily R. Rowland and Matt at Matthew underscore Miskin. And if you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast on iTunes or visit our website for the latest updates, jhinvestments.com. Everybody have a great afternoon. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant, and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.